With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hello, everybody, and welcome into a Thursday, May 5th, Cinco de Mayo edition of the Unreasonable Odds podcast presented by DraftKings. I'm your host, Julian Edlow. You can find me on Twitter at Julian Edlow. You can find the podcast on Twitter at Unreasonable Odd, where, of course, we ran out of room for the S. Um, And we have a guest coming on with us. came on with us last year around NFL draft time um, and gave out some very, very helpful hints, I would say. Um, Doug Kazarian, the host of Daily Wager on ESPN2, ESPN Sports Betting Analyst. You can find him on Twitter at Doug ESPN. Doug, how we doing? Doing well, doing well. I chuckled when you mentioned that you couldn't do the S. I remember, reminds me of the old days when I hosted the Las Vegas Sports Line in Las Vegas with Matt Humans of VEASAN yep. and Adam Hill, the Las Vegas Review Journal. And we couldn't fit it all in. Then we did the LV sports line, but like that wasn't our website address. So it was just like this headache, which are, I mean, look, they're first world problems in a lot of way, but it is funny, just the nuances of our, our racket, so to speak. So it, I just, just chuckled during when you said that, that was really funny. When we, re- we rebranded this podcast probably about a little over a year and a half ago, and I came up with the name and I loved it. And then it didn't fit in the Twitter handle and I was devastated, but we stuck with it. But uh, (laughs) the Twitter handle for this podcast and the nest not fitting is not going to help people make any money betting on the NBA playoffs. So we will try and move on from there. Um, You and I have been have been, you know, talking often throughout the end of the NBA regular season and going into uh, into the playoffs and generally on the same page with a lot of things. and I think we've both done very well, I think, early in the playoffs. But we were talking a little bit before we went on. I'm, I'm kind of of your mindset that I have less opinions moving forward now as things start to tighten up, you know, especially when we – at least we have the rest of these series, you know, especially when we get to the conferences and if we get, like, Suns-Warriors and it's either Bucks and Celtics against the Heat, things really tighten up and it becomes much more difficult to, to find that edge. So – it's starting to go away a little bit, but we still have the rest of these conference semis to go. And um, we got this off day in the NBA on Thursday. We get back to things, interestingly, on Friday with, um, you know, the set of games we had on, on Wednesday play again in their game three before uh, the Tuesday matchups get to their game threes on, on Saturday. So a little bit weird scheduling by the NBA, but we have all those games, those four games on the board on DraftKings Sportsbook. The first one being Friday night, Miami at Philly. Miami's sitting as a one-point favorite there, essentially a pick, minus 115 on the money line. 
Um, I know the total heat unders have been a big thing in the playoffs. They finally went over in game two. That total creeps up a couple points to two ten and a half. Um, it's tough to do anything here until we know what Embiid's status in these games in, in Philly is, is going to be. Um, I've got heat in the series. I've got the heat laying a game and a half in the series. I, I feel confident that they'll probably split in Philly and have a closeout attempt in game five in, in Miami. Um, what's your, what's your take on, on game three and the rest of the series here, I guess. Yeah. I think gentlemen's sweep is the logical approach. I, yeah. I just think, look, by, by nature, betters have FOMO, right? And so we're our biggest fear in the Sixers game is like to not lay the heat minus one and then it beads out. And then it's like minus four or something. And it's just, I just think you have to like not beat yourself up in those situations. Just let it go. Like you don't yeah. have an edge in terms of you don't have the pipeline on the information. You just should take a position. Um, there's no sort of handicapping angle in terms of situational that gives you an edge. I just think you have to let it play out. Maybe get involved live, maybe a second half under or over or something like that. You just don't know what's going on with Embiid. And even if he does play, we don't know if he's hundred percent. Would he be greenlit if it's one, one in the series? So I just think you have to be very careful, not force it as much as you're itching. And then it's an Island game, meaning it's the only game on at the time. Um, we, we've all been there. I sympathize with everyone. Just let's not force it. I think there's other ways to go about it. There's other maybe options on the board, but I think no one with a clear mind can really fire on game three without knowing anything. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. We got to wait and see. Um, however, I'm going to, I don't think I'm going to, bet Philly any game in this series regardless. I'm either going to lean Miami or play Miami, it feels like, because they have just been all over them. And that's going to change with Embiid, like it has to. He's a he's a mismatch for anyone. But how, how you know, healthy will he be when he does return? Well, I Miami, think if he's, I think if he's ruled out, like, I think the Heat are a play, even if laying more points, right? So, like, it's minus yeah, one yeah, right yeah. now, I believe. So, I, I would lay, like, three and a half, four, if he's a late scratch. Because I, I do think in – you know, maybe I play amateur psychologist a little too much, but I, I do think there's the dejected component to the Sixers. I think Harden not being MVP Harden and everyone else just missing shots or whatever. Maxi can only do so much. The bigs are limited. Um, I think Heat as a type of team can smell blood. Maybe Lowry's back um, after a few days off, so that could help. But I just think this Miami team can hit you in waves. I, I definitely think they have their warts. They're not like a dominant, dominant one seed, but they're also not a farce either. They're very good. I just haven't – I think I'm scarred emotionally from the uh, regular season because they had so many guys in and out, and then I never knew when I could trust them when they'd show up. I mean, they lost at home not too long ago against Philly without both Embiid and Harden. Right. So there's just things – and that's the regular season. Everyone has those eggs that they lay. But I just did never got a real clean vibe and feel for handicapping the heat because so many guys were out in and out of the lineup. And then some of these other guys like Struess and Vincent are almost like late bloomers in the season. So I I just don't have a clear read. And then the handicapping in me from all these years of NBA, it's just tough that the one seed's going to cover both game one and game two, because obviously the Sixers started strong and that's what I was expecting. I laid it, but it was just like a reluctant uh, bet. So I just don't have a good read on this, but I think if Embiid's a late scratch, I think the Philly fans will turn quickly. I think they're just dejected because their their stud is out, and it's just like here we go again in terms of bad luck. Yeah, and I mean, I, like Miami took thirty whatever it was from Maxi in that uh, in that game too, and still wound up blowing them out. Um, so I I'm with you on on the majority of what you just said, and you're right. Miami's a weird one seed because they don't have 
the Giannis or the Tatum or the Embiid that the other three teams alive in the East do have. But what they do have is ridiculous balance with those guys that they do play. And then the late bloomer, like Gabe Vincent and Max Struess were not even names at the beginning of the season. Now they're major contributors in this, in this rotation, not to mention knock the cobwebs off Victor Oladipo. And he is like a real piece right now coming on at the right time. So incredibly balanced for, for Miami. Um, we'll see how that series, uh, shakes out and we'll see, I mean, it all comes down to just Embiid status in these games before we're, before we're locking anything in. So this is probably the hardest series to talk about at the moment. Um, Friday night cap is Phoenix series transitions to Dallas now for a game three Suns like the heat covered both, uh, both home games, two totally different games though. Game one was a blowout that the Suns had the whole way led by as many as 21 and then just barely covered on the back door um, with, with Doncic going, going nuts, but the game was never in question. Game two went the other way. Dallas came out. Luca was hot in the first half. They were contending in the game. They had the lead at halftime. And then Chris Paul just dominated the fourth quarter. When he went to the bench, Devin Booker kind of put the dagger in with a few threes and it turns into a Phoenix blowout out of nowhere. Um, this one is essentially the same number. It's, it's a, a pick them for game three in, in Dallas. Uh, I think that Dallas should show some life in this series. I just don't know when or if I'm going to bet them. Um, but the Suns, the Suns at home are tough. And I, I think they can struggle in one of these road games, especially with Doncic maybe going nuts at home. Seeing it the same way, I, I, I was leaning up to a play last night, slept on it. This morning, more and more, I'm warming up to it. I'm, I'm actually pretty eager to fire. I'm going to go Mavs first half, not okay. first quarter. We see attacks sometimes on teams down 0-2 coming home, like where they're favored by more in the first quarter than they are the game. Yeah. Osmakers kind of figured that out in 2015, I want to say. I don't think we see that, although Luke, I believe, does play the entire first quarter. So if you wanted to do that, I couldn't find I couldn't fault you at all. That's but, the one that's the one thing I was gonna say when you're deciding between quarter and halves, you do what's the rotation and Luca does all about get rotation. more first quarter minutes. But then again, I'll remind you, you know this, the uh game two heat plays I put out, I put it out first to ten and first to fifteen <laughs> because of DeAndre Jordan's minutes in the rotation. He came out of that game one four minutes in at fifteen to six, and it bit me. They lost to 10 to 15 and then they won to 20, as you know. Yeah, no, it's it, it well it comes down to so, stuff. Well, it's not overthinking. So basically, I want people to understand if you flip a coin a hundred times, you're more likely to get the true outcome of 50-50 than if you flip it four times. Okay. So it's very simple. So the the larger a sample size, the more likely the true outcome. So if you believe in like the concept of like the strong start, whatever, you want to play a longer sample. Now it's all about which angle and how much, you know, to your point, how much DeAndre Jordan matters or whatever. So I'm just going first half because I think the Suns have like a formula to beat him. They're going to let him expend energy in the first half because he has all those ISOs and he goes nuts. I think he kind of hits a wall by the second half. And then they were picking on him in the pick and roll. I don't think they're going to do it from the start all series. I think that they're going to go to it when they need to, preferably when he's tired, because I don't know if he's in shape. I mean, he is a bigger, like stronger guy. And then he had trouble playing himself into shape earlier this season. So I'm just guessing that's sort of the approach that Phoenix is taking. So is there an edge? I don't know. I think strong start role players play better at home. You got to get more from Brunson. Got to get more from Dinwiddie. And then guys like Dwight Powell won't be in foul trouble, you would think. I thought some of the shooters like uh, Bertans, I mean, that he gave him what you thought. That, that's house money right there. I, I just, 
if you're going to look to play it, I think you play Mavs first half and hope for the best. I'm with you there because there's got to be a spot that that Dallas gets it at home. And generally the most desperation is right when you get home, down to nothing, and, and you kind of got to have it then. And I do like your take on Luca a lot. I think you're exactly right. And I think those of us that watched uh, the entirety of game two see exactly what you're, what you're referencing um, in terms of let them have it early, tire them out. And then at the end of that game, there were, Chris Paul was feasting on him in those pick and rolls. Um, so, yeah, I, I do like the first half take on, on Dallas for, for game three coming home. Um, Series-wise, you got anything on the series? Is there still anything playable in the series? Sons no, I, what do we got? I have Booker to win MVP of the finals. Okay. At like some six and a half to one. Uh, I haven't looked at the market, but I, I, as Chris Paul, as great as he's been, I think Booker gets MVP if they win it all. I just think he's such a uh, more, I mean, Barkley's talked about it on the broadcast. When you're 36 and he'll be 37 in a day or so. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to play elite games back to back. It's just the consistency component. We saw that with Big Ben during the regular season, which I know is a random comparison, but <laughs> Big Ben's like peak this last season was actually pretty good, right? He had some big games against the Ravens, but then he had some stinkers. It's just now Chris Paul's been very different what he did in the fourth quarter. But remember that game where they went to halftime and he was sucking wind, he was dripping with sweat, and the announcers are like, Chris Paul's exhausted. I think they were up 10. Like he barely played in the second half. They monitored his minutes. So I think if you're. There's a reason there's like value on both of those guys because the, the like Giannis basically MVP odds are the Giannis same as the Bucks, right? Tatum right. would, I mean, Tatum Brown is think, good, but Tatum would be the guy, right? Although they made a mistake at the beginning of the playoffs, Celtics were around eight or nine, Tatum was sixteen to one. I thought that was ridiculous, but yep. I really think you're getting good value on Booker because last year Chris Paul became the Finals favorite, and then Booker had a monster game. I think they had a turnover in that game, but if they win, he becomes the favorite. So yep. I just think Booker's more likely to have four good games. Whereas Chris Paul could get it, but again, you're getting huge value compared to the Suns title odds. So that's the only thing I would look at playing because I do think the Suns are polished and much more reliable than the Warriors. I think the Warriors peak is a little bit better than the Suns, but I don't know if you're going to get that for four games and four wins. Suns have home court. I, I, I would play the I would play the Booker if it's at the right price in terms of the futures. But this series, I, I don't know. I can't. I don't think I can lay it. I mean, you can lay two and a half and. Hope that the Suns right. get one game and then finish it off and you get a gentleman's sweep. Yep. Um, all right. The Saturday afternoon game, Celtics evened it up with the Bucks in a gotta have it game, uh, game two at home. Kind of just no questions out of the out of the gate before you can take a sip of your drink. It was like 18 to 3 Celtics, and uh they slowed down in the second half, but they they held on, got it done with with pretty good margin. Jalen Brown looked good off battling through the hamstring injury, although he slowed as well. Um, really, the key for them, I think, is how – I mean, the shots will go in if the shots go in. They're, they're going to take their threes, and we see if they make them. It comes down to how they choose to defend Giannis. And what they chose to do that made the difference in game two, I think, was in game one, Giannis had the 12 assists. Nine of them were for three-point uh, – made three-pointers by the Bucks. In game two, they played him a little more straight up. And, um, you know, Grant Williams and Al Horford might not be quite as fortunate against him in games in Milwaukee, but they did well enough where the other guys couldn't really get going and they they did what they needed to do. The one of 10 start from Giannis kind of, he got going in the third, but it was kind of over by then. Um, this is by far the most competitive series. I don't think anybody is going to debate that. 
Milwaukee now a three-point favorite on Saturday afternoon in Boston. All of the games have gone well under. A team has ended each game in the 80s so far. 213 total. Um, let's just start with game three before moving on to anything for the series. Um, Bucks bounce back at home. Bucks first half. But if 1-1, it's a different scenario. So I was all over the Celtics in game two. And, and, I, and I sat there on air and I said, look, it's just one of the things about betting the NBA. Sometimes you just have to take a leap of faith. There's nothing we have seen from Milwaukee the last few games to think that they're going to get smoked. But that's just the way it goes. And, you know, then you hear the reports afterwards, like Jalen Brown was out this afternoon shooting jumpers. And every there's just a Christmas to the team, a more desperate team down 0-1. And there's a little bit of a relaxed component to the team up 1-0. We saw it in the first round against the Bulls. And the, the loose balls and also the Celtics in game one, had, had the worst shooting percentage on uncontested twos in the entire postseason. And then they had a really ridiculous percentage of threes on uncontested looks. So there was just bound to be some regression there. So now, situationally, that was obviously all Celtics no-brainer. This one, like I don't know. And I don't think you could play it. You touched on the total. I think you have to play the under here. Yep. I think we got teased a little bit with the Celtics shooting against the Nets because that Brooklyn defense, although that played better than we probably gave it credit for or assumed, still the Brooklyn defense, a lot of open looks. And they also just hit a lot of shots. Like Tatum Brown, Grant Williams, smart. They hit a million shots contested, and especially in that closeout game. I was really impressed with Brooklyn's effort and even the Celtics to outlast them. Milwaukee hit shots. Their offense wants to score based just on looking at it before the Celtics half-court defense sets up. Like I think they want threes in transition. Then they'll rely on Giannis, and Giannis is Giannis, and he'll, he'll score. I think you have to play the under. I think the physicality of both teams um, and the, just the length, particularly of Milwaukee, when you have Giannis and Drew Holiday, and I know Middleton's not in, but just now Lopez is a rim protector. I just think 213, I mean, you're going to get one team, like you said, like really be struggling, and I think you have to play the under. I don't think you can play a side. I, I guess Milwaukee, you can make a justification, but I don't know, man. Like I, I don't think you can just assume they bounce back. Yeah, it's this is a tough series, and that's why it's why it's hard to play. Um, I would, you know, maybe the the loser of Game Three is the play in Game Four, perhaps. Um, maybe Smart comes we, back if Boston loses or something. You know. Yeah, we gotta we gotta see how that all how that all how that all looks. It depends how Game Three goes. Um, series wise, are you in on anything already on it or is there anything nah. at this point that you I have feel? Tatum 16 to one. So I have a rooting right. interest in that. And I didn't bet enough. Um, I should have just max bet the heck out of that thing, but you know, the, the, the East was super competitive this year, right? It's not like a three horse yeah. race. Like it usually is. I, I think I mean, there you was, and about, when you were betting it, this was before the Brooklyn right before the playoff starts. So yeah. like they, I mean, people at the time that was a, co a sure. coin flip series. I'm doing air quotes. It turned out to be a sweep. Yeah, no, totally. And I, so you mentioned earlier, like, as the playoffs go on, it's harder. Like, for me, like, friends have jokingly called me the betting bully. Like, I'm all about, like, if there's a bad, really bad team, just faded or whatever. I think when it gets late in the postseason, these lines are tight, man. Like, you're not going to see some blowouts. Yeah. And it's going to come down to some free throws. Like, I'll set up some middles with live wagering just because the NBA is still pretty volatile. But you got to be careful because these are really good teams and you can you can give me a road record. You can give me a team off a loss record. You can do all that, but it like really doesn't apply. Like I said this for the national championship game in college football, like the, the, the books did props for the first time on like a lot of guys, right? The national mm -hmm. championship game, they didn't do them on a lot of Saturdays on some of these guys. And like 
you don't really know what's going to happen. Like you can give me Georgia's wide receiver stats against like Vanderbilt, against Mississippi State, against all these, but like Alabama, Georgia is just like a different animal. And yes. we saw that in the SEC championship game is a very different game plan. And obviously Bama surprised them. And then the reverse happened in the championship game, uh, the national championship game. But I just think like, like I don't care what a team's road record is when it comes to the postseason, uh, because their their opponent and them are on the same travel schedule. It's the same off day. It's just like, and the stakes are so much higher. It's just such a different animal that you just have to kind of apply your 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 playoff handicapping acumen and almost throw out a lot of the stats. Like I don't care what Memphis ATS during the regular season was this year. Like I really don't. The, the, their advantage and the reason they were so good and the best of the NBA is because they brought it every night and they were just intense and treated the regular season. Every year there's like three teams or two or three teams that treat the regular season like it's the NBA finals every night. The Grizzlies were one of them and they were so deep and that depth was huge. And the Warriors were like banged up and stuff and people siding with Golden State's been ATS the last three months. Like, I don't care. Steph missed like half of that. So this lineup, and especially as they go as the death lineup 2.0, it's just a different animal. And you have to really apply, like I said, your your playoff knowledge and things along those lines. And this one's obviously matchup dependent. And we'll see what happens. Uh, I don't think Bain's going to get suspended, but you just never know. Um, excuse Brooks, me, not Bain, Brooks, Dylan Brooks. Right? Yeah. And uh, and I think the situation, like you said, gold, like I really like Golden State to just – you know, open up a can. Right. So let's get into Memphis and Golden State. And you mentioned the way that Memphis played this season and how they played so well. Part of that reason is how well, as you know, they start games. They score to start games. And you have been one of the people riding that uh, Grizzlies first quarter team total train. Um, I hopped aboard that in early February started putting it out a few times and uh yeah it's been it just kind of snowballed and uh and here we are um i do not think i'm going to play it in game three on saturday night in golden yeah, state um so yeah kerr i mean kerr publicly says that's a, a dirty hit essentially um with brooks and not only did it just knock peyton out of the game he's now out whatever three four five weeks with a fractured elbow so a serious hit to a role player that was coming on and helping um, helping the Warriors a bit. I'm not going to say it plays a role in this series, but he's helped them win some games in the playoffs. Um, Warriors six and a half point favorites, minus 275 money line, total set at 226 and a half. This is going to, I, I've already used the Warriors money line as a, as a parlay piece with, uh, with some heat with those games that are already wrapped. So uh, I, I need Golden State to win this one. I think they will. But I think there's an angle early here, whether it's go- – and I haven't figured it out yet, whether it's Golden State first half, first quarter, um, to come out at home and play with a little bit of extra juice and ferocity after the Brooks hit on um, on Peyton. Coming home Saturday night off a, lo- off a loss. Off a loss that, by the way, was you took 47-8-8 eight and eight from Morant. You shot 18% from three on the road and you had a chance to win that game. If you don't get that phantom foul call on who else, but Scott Foster on Draymond towards the end of that game. So interesting. The Warriors could have won that game um, and did not. This spot screams Warriors. And I know you feel the same, but tell me how you're thinking about playing. So I got a little nervous. We were taping the pod because I did text someone like with their thoughts on games because they've been pretty sharp the last like few games. And he said, I kind of think Memphis wins the series because I'm almost ready. And I was like, 
no way. Because I, I laid the 320 like a, yesterday, like after what's 1-1. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think Memphis has a shot. I just They just don't have the horses, right? Again, regular season they do. Like I just think Golden State's a different animal with the star power, the shooting ability. Pool and the Splash Brothers combined were like, what, 6 of 29 or something insane. And Le- you hit a worse, I think. Hit, hit a couple threes and like they went easily. And Morant's been great. And obviously he has to take some of the shots because they're they're sloughing off him so much. I just don't know where the Grizzlies are going to get their points if any of the shots are dropping for the Warriors. Give Memphis credit. I mean, they're they've gotten Clay putting the ball on the ground and he's a catch and shoot shooter. But yeah, um, Thompson was dreadful in game two. Dreadful and then the big travel too. So I just think the Warriors handle their business. I think they're too good. I think the difference that's helping them is that they're hungry because they've missed the playoffs the last couple of years. There was an element right. of spoiled and complacency that probably set in a little bit. Um, although when they got Durant, they were just like unfair. So I, 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 it's hard for me to imagine the Grizzlies winning three of the next uh, five. But look, stranger things have happened. Grizzlies are obviously very good, but I laid the 320, 330 in some different, different shops. And I laid the six and a half and money line. I have some money line parlay with you. Like, or like you, I have like the last night's games. I, uh, I, I just think you have to take advantage of these situations. Really good team off a loss. And then if you want to play back a little bit, but at some point you'll be able to protect that six and a half, take a plus nine and a half, 10 and a half, something like that. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you here. This is a warrior spot. And this is a spot where, because we're, you know, we made plenty of money in the regular season. We made some good money on early rounds when the matchups were, were uh, more uneven. But like you said, now that we're getting later and there's going to be less and less of these situations and tighter lines when we get one, I think this is where you want to want to get involved. So I'm with you. This is the game of the weekend um, in terms of a side for for betting in in NBA. Um, and like you said, that last game, like all you have to do is maybe Morant goes for 43 instead of 47 and Clay and Steph make one more three the Warriors win by five or six points. And it right. was that thin, that thin of a margin. Um, so I don't think it's going to go very well for Memphis going back to Golden State for this Saturday night game, but we shall see. Um, I'll probably, I'll probably go. F- I don't want to pick now, but I'm probably going to go first half over first quarter. I was like going to say said, first a something. More. Yeah, no, first something sounds like right. Uh, I would say I would be careful betting into the first quarter with that team, but then like t- Timberwolves were dominant in a lot of the first quarters in the last round. Right. So the Wolves went, uh, I think uh, the Wolves were five and oh, first quarter ATS. At, I forget who won the first quarter of game uh, six. six. Um. All right, so that's the board that we got right now, but I just want to wrap with a couple of quick ones for you on stuff that you brought up during the podcast, but stuff that I know from our conversations that you you bet, which is you mentioned both live middling mm-hmm. and um, playing second halves. What are like what are you looking for in game when you're doing some of those things? You can start with second halves because I know yeah. you like to play a lot of second halves. I play some of them. Like I did get involved in Suns in game two, but um, I, I know that's something that you – you have your eye on a lot. I do. And I would say in general, 90% of the totals I play are on unders. So I typically look to do an under and I'm too stubborn with this. Like if I see a first half and it's like really low scoring and they'll put up like a one eleven and a half, I'll bet the under second half and it's, it's the wrong thing. It's like regression. And then coaches make adjustments to, to change and improve what was lacking. 
Um, it doesn't always happen. I mean, we've seen first half and second half go unders for sure. I I take it on the chin sometimes too much like that. Like I I, I see something and I think that's going to be the way the entire game. With that being said, if there's a high scoring first half, typically second halves go under. Now the market adjusts to second half last night with Sixers heat was only 102. And yeah. so I was hoping for like a 108, 109. I was going to jump on the under and I laid off. I actually tweeted out, should we be betting the over? Because right at the end of the first half, the Sixers went small, pushing the pace, yeah. getting their fingertips on a lot of balls. And then they were also giving up paint points. That They ended up doing that a little bit. They did go over the second half. Thank God they didn't put up a 108 or 109 because it landed like 111. Um, but the second half did go over the 102, 102 and a half. In general, you just kind of have to get a feel for the, it's almost like, pattern behavior you watch if you just watch enough of the nba like i have over the last three four decades you just get a feel for things now the nba game has changed a lot obviously the three-pointer and some of these totals but you also have to incorporate the the element of the the playoffs like measured possessions in the second half defense tightens up particularly the fourth quarter i'll do a lot of the fourth quarter unders now luca burned me in game one when they kept going for twos and like fouling and then like i'm like you cannot win if you do you have one chance and that's like a three percent chance you have to shoot a three right now yeah so that burned me late on some like stupid lay-ins with 30 seconds ago but i think they're just like he wasn't just think he wasn't thinking he just like went through the motions but for the most part i do like the second half unders if there's been a high scoring game now middles um i joke that there's like the scene in the rock when uh like he's holding like the green like balls of the the, the nuclear war and he's like the moment you disrespected is you're dead it's like that's what happens in like live betting like the moment you don't like really focus and take like precaution things can get away from you and it can get ugly yeah so if you just ask yourself if a line's like minus four will you get a better line either side favorite or underdog at some point during the game I haven't logged this but I would guess about 90 percent of NBA games at some point will offer a better line for each side whether it be that's plus I, four and a half exactly or better. That's exactly what I was just going to yeah. say. And that's the number that I'd be so curious to know, because if you do look at live betting lines and some people that haven't looked, tell me how shocked they are by this. And I've just been doing it for so long that it just like you, it just makes sense to me. People are stunned at like these, how much movement there is. And there's always the, the numbers that are available in game are insane. Yeah. I mean, look, if a team that's favored by seven is up like five after the first quarter, they're going to be like eight and a half for the game. Just like they budget how much time is remaining and the current score. Right. And if you see things like foul trouble or injuries or stuff like that, like Luca walking to the locker room, like there's times where you can catch him sleeping. But for the most part, I like creating middles because if you take a step away, we're all kind of idiots. If you think about it, we are betting money (laughs) on a game and we handicap it and we break it down and all that stuff. And the last, I don't know, 5% of all these games are played so differently than the first 95%. I mean, just like hockey, like goalies are pulled. What are we doing, right? That's a different game. You can talk about Completely the power different. play numbers. You're gonna, then you're like, what the heck, you know? And then football, you have like the prevent defense. You have the chuck and duck offense, all this crazy stuff. And meanwhile, you've talked all week about breaking down all the stuff that doesn't happen in the last two minutes, right? And then the basketball, you have the chuck and duck three-pointers. You have the fouling and all that stuff. So here we are sitting breaking down sons warrior all this and then we're it comes down to these free throws and often comes down to these free throws so my whole thing is i'd rather have 20 to 1 odds on this nonsense at the end of the game than i will minus 110. so you might be asking at home where do you get the 20 to 1 odds okay 
So if you lay minus, let's, we'll use half points, okay? So we'll lay four and a half, and then at some point you can take plus seven and a half. You cannot lose both if you do the same right. amount on each. You can, <laughs> That's the first piece to know. You can win both. So what's the worst you can do? Well, the worst you can do, four and a half, seven and a half, because there's no pushes, is you lose 10% of one of your bets. That's the absolute worst you can do. So let's say it's 110 to win 100. So let's say the worst you can do is lose 10. The best you can do is win 200. Right. So thus, you created a 20 to 1 prop. And that's essentially what they do on Wall Street derivative traders. They create contracts that aren't off, like they create their own contracts. So I don't think a book at the beginning of the game will say, hey, if the favorite wins by five or five, five, six or seven, we'll give you 20 to 1 odds. That's not going to be on the board. It's going to be like plus 210 or something. Um, and so you absorb risk, meaning you take a position on one of those, like minus four and a half. And then during the game, you can take plus seven. So you absorb the risk, get a little dicey, but then you have a 20 to one shot on some free throws at the end of the game. Now, certain numbers are more valuable than the others. We know that in the NFL, key number three, right? So the NBA five is the most common margin of victory the last like five years or so. It goes five, seven, six, then like four. So five, now five being the most key number, it doesn't mean it's the same key quality of key number as like the NFL has three. Right. These are these are smaller differences between five and seven, you know, then like exactly. three and seven, right? But it but it's good to know that five sort of that strike zone, right? Five, six, seven. You saw a dribble out the other day, Memphis with Zaire Williams didn't didn't shoot the layup that landed five. I had a couple around that, you know, things like that. So those numbers are more valuable than like a minus eleven. Like last night, I had some heat minus eight, seven and a half, and then eight, and then also I took back like eleven and a half. Those numbers aren't as good. Cause that's like really garbage time when you're like the scrubs are at the end. And it was like, there was a steal when it was 30, 13 in the ball. And then they steal it and get the hoop and harm. Caleb Martin. I mean, I trust me, like I lost on like plus 15 plus 13. If you have wide enough middles at like those teens, then it's fun. And, and it also you can do this like second half too. So if there's less time left, those windows for the middle are much more valuable, right? Yep. Think about it. There's three minutes left in the game. Although they're not gonna put up live line, like six minutes to go in the game versus like three and a half quarters. Obviously you're more likely to hit the window when it's later in the game because there's fewer possessions remaining. Also, don't forget, it's not just 20 to one. Sometimes there's less juice. It'll be like minus 05. And you're like, whoa, okay, I'm now getting like 40 to one if you get minus 05 both sides or 08. And then you start getting wider, uh, you know, payouts and longer longer odds. But And then you're more likely to take minus five plus six and a half or something like that. You can get two numbers, two key numbers. And if you're getting minus 06 each side or something like that, there's ways to do it where you can get really now it can be frustrating. Like, let's say I had like I had the heat, right? And I played it all back. Like second half, I grabbed some plus tens, minus 05, and I played some 11 and a half. I just didn't feel comfortable. I didn't like what I was seeing. And then the heat blow them out. I'm kicking myself like, oh, I had this great number. But that's just the nature of the beast. If you are committed to the cause, so to be, so right. to speak. I was gonna like, say, I think people, I think what people are most afraid of is that they now have a good bet. They have minus four and a half and the live line's eight and a half. And they're like, well, I already have a good bet. I don't want to give that up. And what right. I, the one thing I say to them is if you're betting, if you're betting 110 to win hundred on that game, then maybe go 55 to win 50 on that. You're not giving up all your good bet. You're giving up half of it and you open up a, a partial window there. Right. Or if you just think it's going to come down to like, you're like, don't like your situation. And it's fourth quarter. Like I just, I'll just eat juice. I'll be like, let's say I'm minus six and there's a six of the current line with seven minutes to go in the game. I'll just take plus six, abort my bet, live to fight another day. Yep. And to your point, you don't have to do all of it either. You can do portions of it. My thing is, I'm just going to try to use round numbers. Let's say I'm a hundred dollar better or $50 better. $50 better is better. So 
but I'll be like, you know, I'm going to bet 500 at minus four and play it all back. And then the juice I could lose will be 50. So I'm essentially going to make this a $50 wager, right? So I'll bet 550 to win a 500 minus four and a half, then plus seven and a half later in the game at 550 to win 500. And then, so I have only, I can lose 50, but I can win a thousand. Um, With the par- part being that you got to get that window. <laughs> right. But, but here's the thing. Let's say they blow them out and they win by 10 plus. And you're like, oh, I could have won 500. Don't beat yourself up. You never would have bet that original 500 exactly. if you were a $50 player without the intention of playing it all back. So going into it, you were never going to bet the 500 anyway. Now, if you bet 50, if you're a $50 player, and then late you want to like chop up your bet or whatever, then that's different because you've bet one unit. But in my example, I bet 10 units <laughs> with the expectation of betting 10 units on the other side and not looking back. Right. And you would take that every time, minus four and a half plus seven and a half, and every NBA game you would take that literally blindly at twenty to one odds. So it it takes a little playing games with yourselves. Like I said at the beginning, like you gotta like be really focused, really aware of how it all goes down. But there is a method to the madness. It's fun hitting one of them. Remember, it's kind of like you know your golf future. You gotta only hit one out of twenty for it to pay right. for itself. Again, the juice changes, things like that. Um, when there's fewer games left in the year, I, I don't get too cute. But what we were talking about earlier, fewer blowouts when it gets tight. The numbers, I think, are tighter with these teams. Like, I think the Milwaukee line in, in Celtics game would be a great game to middle. Like, lay a big position on Bucks minus three. Take back five. Like, you, there's no telling that thing can come down right to the wire. And it's not like a ridiculous foul in a closeout game just because they want to get the scrubs in or whatever in college, like the tournament. Um, only game three. So that would be a way to play that game. If you're confident and you have the stomach to sweat out one side where you maybe bet too much or whatever, hoping that number comes back your way. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's exactly it. People are just afraid to, to uh, give up their position or afraid to, to lose too much knowing that you can – Totally. And I think that's smart. I totally think that's smart. There's an appetite for this. There's a fearlessness to it. And again, you don't have to overextend. Do a one unit play, right? Do one unit. If you love, let's say you love the total, bet that, and then do also a unit on the side, I would say. Yep. And I think you're, I I think what you said, you know, to break even, you gotta, you gotta cash this one out of 20 times. It's patience for people. They want to, they want to win their bet that day um, versus, you know, go one and one five days in a row and then hit on the sixth day or the seventh right. day or, or whatever. And I get that. But, it's an option. Um, it's an option in your portfolio. You right. can do it when you don't have a firm opinion. It's just like something to put in your arsenal. Yep. Um, I'm with you there. So there's your, there's your live betting tutorial um, from, you know, somebody that, somebody that practices it quite, <laughs> quite often. Um, all right. So, I mean, that's probably going to do unreasonable odds. I know we talked, we talked a little beforehand, Doug, if you have any burning hot takes, uh, really. in the sports betting market, go ahead. Otherwise we can wrap. No, that'll do it. I mean, look, I, all of us see what the reds are doing. Um, yep. It's hard not to bet against them run line or even on the Dodgers. I, all 14 of their wins have come run line Yeah, or 15 wins, I should say. Um, so it's tempting. I, I would say, keep an eye on those things. Don't be afraid. Like, these aren't like ridiculous trends. It's not like, Oh, day games on Tuesday, you know, like reds are like historically bad. Like don't be afraid. Odds makers are stubborn. They adjust late. There you go. I I mean, I think a lot of people are fading the reds right now and we're going to see how long this, this train, (laughs) this train can last, but it has been ugly so far. Um, 
all right so thank you to doug for coming on um again find him on twitter at doug espn um any any particular content that you want to want to pitch while we're here i think you guys you guys have a saturday yeah yeah so we're dark friday so we're we're on 11 a.m eastern on espn2 we're going to talk derby uh have some reports from churchill downs as well we'll also look ahead to all the games obviously the rest of the weekend so that'll be fun and then a lot of a lot of content right now on espn.com's chalk section so tons of daily picks we have videos as well uh, just really fun. Like we get, we're bringing our fantasy guys in and really, they're really attacking the prop market, or at least explaining what's going on in the edges there. So it's a lot of, a lot of good content in that regard. All right, there you go. And of course, follow the podcast on Twitter at unreasonable odd note S um, get all your articles on the DK playbook. And uh, we'll be back most likely next week with, uh, with more NBA playoff. Um, I was going to say preview, but NBA playoff, recaps previews of the of the conference finals wherever we're at at that stage um and then i know steve buchanan my co-host will be back with me after that we'll do a couple of uh, a couple of mlb podcasts we'll see if the reds are still as historically bad as they are right now uh in a couple weeks that is a podcast thank you for listening to unreasonable odds presented by DraftKings, and we will talk to you next week When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.